Hi, everyone. Radhika Jones here, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. With award season in full swing, there's no better time to become a Vanity Fair subscriber. Let our editors take you behind the scenes of this year's nominated films, from prestige indies to major blockbusters, plus exclusive coverage of Hollywood's biggest events. Visit VanityFair.com today and save 10% on a yearly subscription for a limited time with promo code OSCARS. That's VanityFair.com, promo code OSCARS, for 10% off a year of insights and access you won't find anywhere else. Subscribe today while this offer lasts through March 31st, 2024. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Today's episode is brought to you by Empower. It doesn't matter how much money you have, we all have money questions. Empower is here to answer those questions so you don't have to worry. Take control of your financial future with a real-time dashboard and real live conversations to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner. And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes to. The winner, it's a tie. And any little girl who's, who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. Mom, I just want an Oscar. I am Katie Rich. I'm here for today's interview episode with Rebecca Ford. Hi, Katie. Uh, Rebecca, you got to talk to an actress whose name you helped me realize I've been mispronouncing um, because it's much more German than I realized. So why don't you tell me who today's interview is with? Yes, today we're talking to Sassy Betts, who some people call Sassy Beats. But um, <laughs> I, I went down the rabbit hole and she says her name in the interview. And it, yeah, she's half German. So it's a German name and that's how you pronounce it. I just um, can't believe we've gone all these years mispronouncing her name. I feel honestly terrible about it. I'm so glad we can correct the record. She's very chill about it. I think that's part of uh, it. I guess a lifetime <laughs> of, of correcting yeah. pronunciation will get you there. Yeah. Okay, so you talked to her for her role in Steven Soderbergh's new series, Full Circle, which is honestly a little mysterious to me. And I don't know if it's supposed to be shrouded in mystery and we don't want to spoil things. But uh, why don't you tell me more about it? Yeah, so it's a a Max series that comes out um, this Friday. And it it snuck up on me as well. But I got the screeners early and I just flew through the series. Um, It's sort of a, you know, a crime mystery thing where uh, she plays a... Postal Service Inspection Service Unit uh, Inspector Detective. So the Postal Service has their own detective unit, which I did not know. And um, she ends up like uh, investigating this crime. It has an incredible cast. It includes Claire Danes. And um, she has some great scenes with her. So I found her character just really interesting. She's this sort of like brilliant detective who has this like really messed up personal life and is a difficult uh, personality. And I thought Sazi really played the character really well. So I really wanted to talk to her about it. 
She seems like the kind of actress that you've seen pop up in other things and being like, I'd see you do just about anything. And playing a troubled detective is such a classic archetype for um, for someone to really be able to stretch their wings. It sounds like that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, it, it it's a, a good role for her and good timing because she also appears in the most recent season of Black Mirror. She plays a paparazzi in, in one of the episodes. And so we also talked about that because it's interesting to sort of be playing this role that she's experienced. You know, she talked a little bit about dealing with paparazzi and what that experience has been like. And and so I thought that was also an interesting role to take on. I think she's being, I, I, I find her selection of roles really interesting. And she actually teased that she feels like she hasn't, um, been able to show her full potential yet and has a couple projects that she feels like will really put her other abilities on display that are hopefully coming up soon. Ooh, something to look forward to. Um, well, for now, let's hear your conversation with Satsi Betts. Sazi, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I watched all of Full Circle, which is going to debut on Max uh, this Friday. Um, I found it a totally captivating show. I know you worked with Steven Soderbergh before, but tell me sort of how the project came to you. What was the pitch that made you really interested in it? I uh, was initially just very pleased that Stephen was reaching out again at all. It's a nice compliment. Yeah. A, yeah, a sign of, I'm like, okay, it worked the last time. He likes me. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really enjoyed working with him. I think he has a very relaxed and um, playful way of approaching his work. It feels like he really wants to be there. And he really trusts his actors in a great way that lets you truly just play in the sandbox he provides. And so I was excited to just work with him again. And um, I had the chance to read the scripts, and then we had a phone call, so I was lucky with an offer. And yeah, on the call, he told me it was mine to lose, and so mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And I you know, just found the story compelling, yeah, the juxtaposition between two different worlds on the opposite ends of the spectrum, with New York set as the background, um, and yeah, the meditation on how our actions have ripple effects and how they impact those around us, even when we don't think they do. Yeah, it's a it's a complicated story with a lot of different characters that they weave together so beautifully. And, you know, your character gets to interact with a lot of them. I had never heard of the U.S. Postal Inspection Service you yeah. know, before this. So I'm, I'm curious what you had to sort of learn about who these people are who work for this and because that's such a makeup of your character. Yeah, I thought that was, I mean, I think it's funny because like Ed is a comedy writer. And so I think a lot of the show is sort of surreptitiously, maybe not so surreptitiously, but is infused with, I think, jokes like that. <laughs> not to say the USPIS is a joke because they're not. But yeah, I mean, mail fraud, it is a felony to open up other people's mail. (laughs) And um, yeah, they deal with things that are of that nature. You know, she was already involved with sort of the insurance premium fraud that was going on, which is where Ed drew his original inspiration from. He had read a news article about a crime syndicate in New York that was doing that, taking out um, life insurance claims on people and then killing them and he then he kind of wove this story that was way different and they also get involved in the way that other parts of government that are detecting and 
finding out in the same way. I think it mm-hmm. just doesn't sound as fancy as CIA or FBI. Right. Or um, and, and Harmony is interesting because she's clearly brilliant, especially at reading people, but she's also sort of a mess in her own life. How much of her backstory did you think about maybe even beyond what's told in this story as you were preparing to play her? Yeah, I think a big thing for me was dissecting her, the psych eval that gets referenced a few times during the show, and we never explicitly find out what happens, but based on her personality throughout the show. And um, I spoke with Ed about this as well. We kind of like came up with our own diagnosis essentially for her. And, and that was also based a bit on my experience with people that I know who exhibit behavior that she exhibits and um, my experience with those people. And uh, also what drives people who have sort of like Yeah, I suppose sort of a bit unreliable behavior in the way that um, Melody sort of depicts. So that was like a that was a big thing for me. So I could sort of try to be consistent in that in that space. Um, But then also, yeah, we, we talked a lot. I talked with Stephen and Ed a lot about sort of her inner life and her insecurities. And I think she presents as someone who or she tries to present herself as someone who is very confident and wants to take charge of a room. And I mean, I think she is ambitious, but I think a lot of that is also by insecurity and needing validation and wanting validation. I think she does feel that she has an instability. You know, she has a hard time, I think, um, maintaining relationships in her life in general. She knows she's smart. And so I think she uses that to her as a as a weapon and as a tool. But I don't think she serves herself in the best way she can all the time, even if she knows that she's not, you know, even if she knows that she could do better. And so I think a lot, there's a lot of wanting love and needing love, but then pushing it away as a sort of a protective element. Like I know people who do this, but like people who will exhibit sort of uncomfortable behavior or like her not always actively leaning into the emotional temperature of a room and doing that knowingly so that when also a rejection happens, somebody can kind of point the finger at, I'm rejecting that behavior, but not necessarily who you are inherently, versus if you just appear truly as an authentic self, if you are rejected, then that is a rejection of you, which I think is very scary for some people. So there was that element too, but I do think she also really does believe she can do this job and deserves it and wants to do well, both as sort of career validation, but also just, I think she's like, I've worked hard and I deserve this. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think she has a complicated relationship with her parents and family and is kind of a bit of an isolated person. So yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about her, her stuff since um, a lot of it is sort of buried in just who she is versus us talking about it on the show. But Yeah, I think that's why I like this character so much, because she is so complex. And as the series goes along, you get to see a little bit 
more and more, and I was so surprised by each sort of layer. Um, you, you mentioned sort of being inspired by people in your real life. Is that something that happens with a lot of your work and your characters that you sort of you seem observant of of other people in that way? Yeah, I try to draw from generally as much as I can from my own experience and from the lived experience of those that I know. Uh, of course, I also you know will research and watch things online, but I think the more intimate it can be, at least for me, the easier it is to access and the easier it is for me to also truly empathize. Like, I think somebody like Melody, you know, she's funny and I think she's entertaining on the show, but I think she would be somebody very difficult to have any kind of relationship with, working, friendship, romantic. And I think it was important for me to understand how to empathize with her and to not um, judge her. Um, And I think Part of me, I think, is I think I was able to do that because I I have spent time with with people who can, you know, sometimes have a harder time with relationship building and I can see them with their full context and still approach with love and grace, you know, to the best of my abilities. And so, yeah, I think that allowed me to open Zassi's heart to harmony more, you know, on the page she reads is this like wild cannonball. And, um, you know, on set, we would joke about that. But ultimately, I did always, I take her side and I always will. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm entertainment journalist Drew Taylor. And I'm filmmaker Charles Hood. And we host Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. But right now, we're about to launch our first ever universe-expanding miniseries. That's right. Get ready for Light the Fuse presents The Directors. We'll speak to filmmakers who have made iconic Paramount movies and get them to open up in a way that only we can. That's right. Listen to Light the Fuse presents The Directors wherever you get your podcasts. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. This episode is brought to you by Empower. Can you retire early? Will there be enough money to leave an inheritance? Do you have savings for life's important milestones? If you have money questions, Empower has answers so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. And the show has quite the cast. Um, you have great scenes with a lot of the actors, Claire Danes, especially, and Jim Gaffigan. Is there anything about working with them that any of your co-stars that either surprised you or that sort of uh, affected your own process in those scenes? Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of time with Shay and Claire and Jim, I would say, out of everyone. 
I have to say it was overall, you know, a true ensemble cast and everybody was really, really lovely to work with. I think working with somebody like Soderbergh kind of, I feel like all the actors are like on an equal playing field in a way, like Soderbergh is like our God and then we're all (laughs) the thespians in the room together. And so I, I think I felt like a very collaborative and true ensemble experience where everybody was really trying to support each other. Jim was so, you know, I mean, I was going to say funny. He's a comedian, but I really liked how I think he took his character very seriously in terms of not trying to make him a joke. Um, We talked a lot about like how his character has sort of a shift in the, in the series and, and so, yeah, he was, he took that very seriously. And like, I think just his natural candor, candor is just like, is funny. So, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, so we were able to play a lot in those scenes and it's always really nice for me to work with people who are like great improvers. I, I just really enjoyed working with him. And then Claire, I think our characters or I, my character, I think gets the most vulnerable in a way with Claire. Mm -hmm. And so that was fun for me to explore because I don't think Harmony really exhibited her vulnerability much to other people, even to her girlfriend. Uh, And yeah. And Shay is just like lovely and kind. And so it's just really relaxing to be on set with him. And yeah, I mean, everybody was lovely, but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you hear everyone seems to want to work with Soderbergh, as you're saying. He is this god that everyone um, has such great things to say about. But what is it about working with him that especially, like, drives you as an actor? I think he genuinely believes in casting. So I don't think – I think once he's cast someone, he really trusts that their instinct and their interpretation – they are the expert of their character. So he really, really trusts his performers and doesn't really question your version of the of the character. And, uh, you know, of course, of course, it's collaborative and there's guidance and all of that. But I think he really sort of like sets up the sandbox and then lets the actors do their thing and truly kind of organically follows them with the camera, which is, I think, something you can feel like, you know, we have blocking and things like that to a degree, but certainly not as intensely as some other productions will. He's very natural with his camera movement and follows you. And the camera, I think, carries on from one scene into the next and the movement is also a character and a storyteller in a way. And so I think that just allows for so much flexibility as an actor to really just kind of go for it and try things. And I think unless it's like super left field, he lets you go. And so there's something very freeing about that. It's nice to be trusted like that. It makes you um, prepare more in a way because you really have to be on top of your character. Uh, and also he's just quite pleasant. Like he's relaxed. You really trust him. He's, you can really tell he's the master of the story. Like, you know, we were block shooting this show six episodes all at once essentially. So on one day you could be shooting a scene from episode six and then 
after that a scene from episode three and then after that a scene from episode two. And so it was really hard to sometimes keep all the information and material in your mind. I mean, you generally shoot out of order, but that's different if you have 100 pages of information versus 300 pages of information to keep track of. And, um, and so sometimes, you know, you'd be like, wait, where are we? Like, what, what happened to my character right before? And Steven and Ed, our writer, invariably always knew exactly what was going on. And you could always really rely on them with that. And I think Steven in general, like he, the way he pieces things together, which is why he also shoots very quickly. Like he has it all in his brain. You can really just trust him. And yeah, that's very, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's just nice to know, I'm like, he's going to make the best version of, of whatever we're making. And you can just like rely on that and not try to protect also your performance, right? Because if you don't trust a director, then you're also not going to take as many risks because you're not going to believe that they're going to actually choose the take that makes the most sense for the story. They're just going to, I don't know. Yeah, you, you protect yourself as an actor because otherwise that'll make you look crazy. So if you just trust your director you can go for it and you know that they'll land the plane. <laughs> yeah. And you you also appear in the most recent uh, season of Black Mirror, which just debuted on Netflix. And yeah. I found it really interesting that you play this paparazzi because obviously as an actor, that's something you probably had to experience from the other side of that. What was that like to sort of be on that side of uh, that relationship? Yeah, I have to say, you know, I have been papped a few times, but not as intensely as, say, Britney Spears <laughs> right. or anything like that. My life isn't plagued by paparazzi. Um, my character has sort of these shifting morals around it, and she's questioning mm -hmm. her motivation to be doing this job and has sees the impact of her work, um, but also needs income, and this is what she's been doing. And uh, I think it's also sometimes it's hard to empathize with people who have great privilege. So, I, you know, I sort of approached her from that space. And also she, you know, from her just emotional standpoint, I think she had a lot of my character didn't like herself. And so I think that exhibited in her behavior as well, in a way. Um, but yeah, I found that character quite interesting. And then overall, you know, yeah, the episode is about exploitation. But I also think in some ways, everyone sort of we are the paparazzi, and we are also the watched and we're doing that to ourselves over and over again. And in some ways, everyone is the victim here. And we're constantly scrutinizing one another. And especially with sort of all the exposure that we have nowadays, I think no one can really truly live a private life in the same way. And um, so, yeah, I think that the show leaned on that too. I, I think that Bo was also the victim of a larger system. Yeah. It's interesting because this is one of the few episodes that doesn't have that real technology hook that some of the others do, but you're sort of tying it to social media and where we are now. So in that way, it actually does, which I, I think people were surprised it didn't have that tech hook that a lot of the others do yeah i figured people i mean reading the episode i was like oh the, it's gonna definitely be divisive i haven't read any reviews i think I, I vaguely know that it is divisive 
is it like a traditional Black Mirror episode or not? And I figured people would feel that way <laughs> in terms of, you know, it not being tech forward and or kind of a premonition of the future to come. But I, I still think that, A, what I like about Black Mirror is that I think it takes risks and I think it is a risk to deviate from the traditional format of what people expect from you to on how to tell a story. And they've done that in other yeah. ways too. You know, even the Bandersnatch film is different from anything Netflix had ever done before, uh, anything that most filmmaking has done before and, you know, not being a TV episode. Like, I think it, they've already been playing with format and playing with their storytelling. And so I'm not surprised. I think it's kind of punk to try something different. And I still think it is ultimately at its core, Black Mirror, Black Mirror isn't about text. It's about our mirror, our shadow selves and, yeah. you know, uh, all the, the state of humanity and the layers within us. And it's just, I think another, hopefully this episode is just another reflection on humanity and who we are. Yeah. I think it definitely feels that way. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of upcoming work, I know you've wrapped, uh, the Joker sequel and there's been a lot of talk about the musical elements of this, uh, sequel, but I'm curious what you think might surprise people who love the first one. That's sort of beyond that musical part. Uh, I know I can't, uh, I've been told I cannot say anything at all. Nothing. <laughs> what no Joker question. sequel? <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, what can I say? I think it's a bunch of smart people making it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same team making the sequel. And I mean, I haven't seen every, you know, everything. I, I know my portion, but I believe that they can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about risks, I think they made it plenty yeah. with the first and it worked. Yeah, so. exactly. I didn't expect and anything less. I think there was a lot of skepticism about the first one, just you know, from many different angles. And, you know, I remember reading the script and being so utterly convinced, like 10 pages in, I was like, I have to do this story. And I fought for that role. And I think they're smart. <laughs> so I think it'll be interesting. This episode of Little Gold Men is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. They have everything from iconic directors to emerging auteurs. There is always something new to discover because with MUBI, each and every film is hand-selected so you can explore incredible movies streaming anytime, anywhere. Right now, they have a film collection for performers we love, and they are highlighting one of this year's Oscar frontrunners, Lily Gladstone. So I am here with David Canfield to talk about how much we love Lily Gladstone, and especially her film that is now on movie, Certain Women. David, fond memories there. Fond memories. What an introduction. None of us knew who she was before that film, um, but it's quite a thing to be in a Kelly Reichardt film with Michelle Williams, Kristen Stewart, and Laura Dern and completely steal it. And uh, now we're talking about it to this day. You can try Mubi for free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash Little Goldmen. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Little Goldmen for a whole month of great cinema for free. Movie.com slash little gold men. 
And do you see any sort of through line to the work you've been doing lately, the characters you've been taking on, uh, you know, at this point in your career and your life? I have to say, there are a lot of things that I haven't done yet that I really want to do. I do think a lot about diversity in characters. I would love to have longevity in my career. And so to me, that means sort of not being seen as just one thing. So people don't kind of automatically think of me as, I don't know, young action woman or something like that. And so, and I also really have thought a lot about, you know, there are ways, I, I think it can be very easy to get caught up in the idea of how do you game your career? And I think everybody does that to a degree in whatever career they have of like, you know, would this, I don't know, for you perhaps, would writing this story be beneficial or not? Whether or not I'm interested in the topic matter, like would audiences be interested in this? Or, you know, maybe I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the script, but this director is good. Or maybe I'm not a huge fan of this director, but the script is interesting. And like, you know, is this kind of role something that would boost my career? But am I into this role? Like there's so much of that you, that you can do. And I think ultimately you really just have to let that go and just be like, what am I just feeling right now? Yeah. I'm also, I'm, I don't want to be so precious about every decision and be like, yeah, sometimes I'm going to fail. I'm going to just try this thing and that's great. And maybe it didn't work, but I tried something. And then I've been approaching my characters a lot more that way too, of like wanting to implement some little bit, little element of risk or chaos in something. Like this is sort of a silly thing, but to me, this was this is an example of that. Like my character Melody Harmony in Full Circle, I decided to give her a row of bottom braces just because I thought it was interesting and I thought it sort of was indicative of some other things about who she is and her character and what might matter to her or not and and um that was never written in the script nothing I just made that call by myself and that was about chaos and freedom and I think that's just more interesting to watch and riskier to do um but it's more so much more fun so yeah I'm trying to like I want to have fun (laughs) not just stressed about work being (laughs) pressured and being like am I good am I bad you know I don't really read reviews. I'm like, I can't, I can't be, even if it's good. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't even want the input. I'm like, I just, I'm just trying to live my life. (laughs) (laughs) That does it for today's episode. Uh, As you might remember, we'll have a bonus Emmy nominations reaction episode uh, coming on Wednesday this week. So stay tuned. Lots to talk about. Um, in the meantime, find us at VanityFair.com, on Twitter and Instagram at VF Awards Insider. I'm on Twitter at Katie Rich and Rebecca. Rebecca M. Ford. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs. This episode was brought to you by Empower. Are you ready for life's important milestones? What will your retirement look like? Do you know your net worth? Empower can help answer your money questions so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. From PR.